It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. It's all presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our programs at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app or on your favorite podcast platforms. Gentlemen, good morning. This will start, or good afternoon, I should say. This will start our positional off-season series. We haven't really done this before specifically, but without the combine this year, we have a little bit of extra time, so I thought it makes sense. So, folks, what we're going to do here, we're going to go position by position over the next three weeks, talk about the giant situation at that position, the top free agents at that position, and then without getting too much detail into specific prospects, talk about the general depth at that position in the draft, just to kind of figure out where the Giants stand at all these spots. So it makes sense, guys. The first thing we're going to talk about here is the quarterback position. The Giants, they've made it abundantly clear. Daniel Jones is their starter for next season. So at this point, we're talking about who else is going to be on the roster at quarterback. Colt McCoy, a free agent. So the Giants could bring him back or be in the market for a new backup quarterback. And then there's a question of whether or not they're going to add a developmental quarterback somewhere down the road. So I could see them doing both, to be quite honest with you. Your guys' thoughts, and Paul, will start with you, in terms of where the Giants are headed with their backup quarterback spot and perhaps even adding a developmental guy for down the road. Well, you know, John, we've all discussed how the salary cap is going to be shrinking. We don't know exactly how much. So, to be honest, I know the Giants have enough of other issues to take care of with their money. I don't expect them to overspend on a backup QB. Now, we all, I believe, understand the importance of the backup quarterback. You can't have somebody who just is place, you know, a placeholder and, and just there to take up a roster spot. He's got to have some value and some function, and you basically need to be able to say to yourself, if, if he plays a couple of games or even if he has to play a month, can we be competitive with that guy in the game if need be? I kind of think that Colt McCoy is that guy. He's uh, on the other side of 30. You know, last year he made the veteran minimum, then the Giants on top of that threw in a, a million-dollar signing bonus or so. Uh, I would expect that he would get another one-year contract at the veteran minimum. We know what kind of teammate he is. We know how smart he is. We know he gets along with Daniel Jones and and is not going to pressure him in terms of trying to take his job or anything like that. And he's a game manager, uh, and he's smart. There's a lot of reasons why Colt McCoy is probably the best fit for the Giants. And then when you take into account – the other free agent quarterbacks that will be available. You know, if you're looking at, at, at career backups, if you want someone of McCoy's ilk to, to, to come in, what are you looking at? Matt Schaub, uh, what, Matt Barkley, Nate Sudfeld, Joe Flacco. I mean, these are the kinds of guys that you're talking about. So I don't know. Is, is McCoy really any worse 
than those guys? Are those guys, or should I say, are they an upgrade from him? I don't think so. So I would bring McCoy back on a one-year veteran minimum. You know, Lance, we could talk about some of the guys in the top of the free agent market, but Paul brought up possible options for a backup in addition to Colt McCoy, obviously, and some of the higher-end backups that could become available that have been spot starters in the past. Obviously, you have Andy Dalton, who's going to be a free agent from Dallas. He signed only a one-year deal there. Tyrod Taylor is a free agent. He's probably not going to want to return there as a backup to Justin Herbert, you wouldn't think. Mitch Trubisky, could it for agency with the Bears? And Jacoby Brissett, another guy who has been a starter before from the Colts. So if you want to look at the high-end backups, those are, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, too, is in the mix there as well. Those would be the guys, if you're looking for a high-end backup, that are going to be on the free agent market. But to Paul's point, they're going to cost a little bit extra money. Well, and that's what it comes down to, and the cap will probably go down. It may not go down as low as the initial reports were, but the Giants have other priorities, specifically on the defensive line and elsewhere in terms of re-signing players, that they're probably not going to have the luxury of spending a lot of money for a backup quarterback. McCoy also has familiarity with the offense, which is another thing that I would add that I think makes him attractive to come back. I happen to like Tyrod Taylor. He was a guy that I circled when I was looking over the free agent market. I do think, though, Taylor is probably going, A, want to pursue a starting job. Number two, I think he's going to cost some money. But the guys like Tyrod Taylor, who you feel can come in, God forbid your starter gets hurt, makes a lot of sense because he's somebody that has starting experience and you know he could go out and win a football game. But I think when you tackle the money, you tackle the experience, you tackle the familiarity with the offense, a guy like Colt McCoy coming back makes a lot of sense. I think if Jason Garrett has his choice, he probably would want a veteran quarterback backing up Daniel Jones, somebody that's been in the league, somebody that could handle the backup position. Why? Because Jason Garrett was a backup himself. So I think if anybody understands what you want out of that position, it's the Giants' current offensive coordinator. I also think Joe Judge wants somebody that they know, based on their experience with Daniel Jones this past season, that could come in. And I don't think it's necessarily being a game manager. I think you can make the argument every quarterback's a game manager. The whole point is you're supposed to manage the game, not make mistakes, put your team in a position to win. It's a matter of you think a guy that could come in and run your offense and not hurt you and also perhaps have some previous starting experience. That's what I would want out of a backup quarterback. For example, you brought up Andy Dalton. Dalton, to me, was a great move by the Cowboys. And, unfortunately, it turned out to be even more valuable because Dak went down. I do think Dalton's going to get a starting job. I think New England is a team that makes a lot of sense. So I don't think Andy's going to be settling for a backup job. But those backup quarterbacks have proven over the course of recent history that's the difference between making and missing out on the playoffs, especially if you need to rely on them for a start or two. You know, Lance, there's one other guy that we really kind of should throw into that journeyman backup kind of bin, and that would be Brian Hoyer. Because remember now, Hoyer, same situation as McCoy. He has started some games in this league, but he's been mostly a backup during his career. He probably would take a one-year minimum. And he and Joe Judge were both with the Patriots in 2018. So there is a previous connection there if you're looking for that pipeline to uh, kind of trace back to Judge's past. Hoyer, to me, would be a kind of a lateral move from McCoy. Yeah, I agree. I would definitely, Paul, put those guys in pretty much the same category. So what are your thoughts if, again, we don't know how the Giants really view this because last year was unique with the pandemic about having a third quarterback in that room that's young and a developmental guy. 
Alex Tanney recently announced his retirement. He's already hooked up, I believe, um, an offensive assistant with, with the Eagles. I think that took about six hours to get that deal done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's what happens when you know Nick Sirianni from your playing days. So. Exactly. So <laughs> that happened very, very quickly. So what are your guys' thoughts on the Giants using one of their draft picks this year on a quarterback? And obviously I'm not talking about the first or second round. We're not talking about Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. We'll talk about Trevor Lawrence's pro day in just a little bit. But, you know, in a, for, in a mid-round pick or a fourth-round pick, would you consider a Kyle Trask, a Kellen Mond, you know, somebody like that? I don't know if Trask is going to necessarily last that long, where it's a guy that has relative upside, where maybe they can become an eventual high-end backup or maybe even a potential starter? Or do you feel more comfortable picking a real developmental guy late, like uh, Jamie Newman out of Georgia slash, you know, Wake, something like that? You want to go first, Paul? Well, I, I was going to defer to you first, but I had a couple of thoughts. Go ahead. Then. Sure. Go no, first. go ahead, Paul. That's well, fine. I mean. You guys have never fought about who, like, trying to talk second, by the way. This is, like, the first ever <laughs> in Big Blue Kickoff Live history. Just well, well, John, here's, here's the thing for me. I, I would not mind bringing in a third guy. In all honesty, I don't know if he would wind up deserving a spot on the 53 or if he'd wind up being a practice squad guy for me. And part of the reason is we also don't know what the practice squad rules are going to be this year. Well, if, you, if you're not sure what they're going to be, then you're not talking about a, a third, fourth, or fifth round. Correct. Guy. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because you can't afford to lose that player. Correct. I'm thinking, to be honest with you, if I'm going to go late third day and I just want to take a flyer on a dark horse guy who might at some point in time be a decent backup, what about Ellinger out of Texas yeah. or Ian Book out of Notre Dame? Good choices. I think those are. I think they're both in that Colt McCoy mold, for lack of a better description. I think they're very similar physically to him too. Well, Ellinger's so, also from Texas, where Colt McCoy came from. So that's another that is similarity. True. That yes. is true. So those, you know, for me, if if I decided that I was going to go for a flyer for a guy like that, I'd wait till the sixth or seventh round. I think those guys will be there. And that would be my, quote, developmental backup if I wanted to go that route. Before you select a player like that, regardless of where you want to take them, because I would think, listen, you bring in a young developmental quarterback, unless you're taking a guy in the sixth or the seventh round, I want to make sure that I have a roster spot for him. So I would hope that the NFL, and it may not, because the NFL may just see how the summer plays out, what the practice squad is going to look like. Because if I know that I have a similar practice squad in terms of volume, I'm not even thinking twice about drafting a quarterback. I know there's a good chance that I'll have the room to retain the services of a player. If I don't, I have to weigh whether or not then I'm maximizing the pick. I think the Giants will be fine with two quarterbacks on the 53 roster. They did that for the bulk of this season. I don't think that there's any regrets, and I don't think there's any concerns. If they re-sign Cole McCoy, they bring in a veteran, have him serve as the security blanket for Daniel Jones, and then, God forbid, you have to bring in somebody midseason, you could do that. You have the flexibility. Another guy, by the way, that I think is important to bring up, Joe Webb was added to the Giants roster late last season. He's a versatile player. That may be somebody else they entertain bringing back, too. I wouldn't rule him out, and maybe he becomes that third option because he could play the quarterback position, but he could also contribute to other facets of the team. It may make sense to have that guy be your third quarterback as opposed to rolling the dice with a young guy and you don't know if you really have the roster spot for him. But if they want a player that's in this draft class that they think has potential, that they think could develop into a backup or maybe down the road compete for a starting job, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Remember, I always say this. You can never have enough at every position in the NFL, even the quarterback position, because you can't control the injury bug. But I think you really want to know what the practice squad is going to look like before you make a commitment like that. Interesting in that the Giants did sign uh, Webb to a future reserves contract right after the season. So Now, I would not is, classify you know, him as a developmental quarterback. No, 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 no. no. He would be no, like but I wouldn't also classify guy. him as a quarterback alone, though. No, I, w- I would call him an emergency quarterback. That's yeah. what I would call him. Yeah, but, but I mean, the fact that he was out of football and then the Giants kind of rescued him, you know, from, from that bin during the season, and, and now they gave him a futures deal— that must mean they really want him to come to training camp to see if there's a spot, right? Sure. I mean, I not necessarily as a quarterback. I agree with John. He's not a developmental quarterback. But as a guy who's a Swiss Army knife, they must feel that there's a potential that he could be of use. Otherwise, why would you sign him to that deal? All right. We had Trevor Lawrence's pro day today, guys. Let's get into that for just a second. But first, limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can now lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Look, he threw the ball, I think, 30 or 31 times during that. His last few, he basically just fired it 60 to 65 yards down the field on the money. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of when Josh Allen had his pro day and Jordan Palmer was also Josh Allen's quarterback trainer the same way he is for Lawrence. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you the chance to just show off the goods here and just chuck it as far as you can. It wasn't quite Josh Allen-level distance, but it was good enough. And, look, he, he was tall, he was fluid, and we are going to get into free agent quarterbacks in a second, by the way. I just thought he checked every box he wanted. His measurements were good, just just about six five and a half, only 213 pounds, which is a little bit light, but I know some people think he's going to have that left non-throwing shoulder surgery that he hasn't really been able to lift with that injury, so that probably explains why he's a little bit light, but... Look, as much as you can tell from these workouts, they're not going to move the needle. But he checked every single box you would want. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that Urban Meyer was standing next to Dabo Sweeney about (laughs) five feet away from Trevor Lawrence as he made all these throws, I think we know what's going to happen here, guys. (laughs) Your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, for me, the intrigue had nothing to do with Trevor Lawrence. It had to do with the guy he was throwing to, Cornell yep, Powell. Cornell Powell. Who had a terrific season for Clemson. It was a breakout redshirt senior year, and he also went to the senior bowl, had a nice back shoulder throw catch on the sideline where he was able to stay in bounds. He had a couple drops, though. Uh, he did. He did. I mean, this is a guy who underachieved until his final season with the Tigers. Well, he never really had the chance to play. And he then, was buried. And then Justin Ross got hurt this year, and they mm-hmm. had, I, th- I think, a second wide receiver get hurt too. And then all of a sudden, he finally got a shot. Buried on the depth chart, but in his redshirt season, he came back and had terrific production. A guy who, I, I want to say what he caught, a half a dozen touchdown passes. I think when I checked at his stats, no, he had, had something like six, he 16 had yards touchdowns. of catch, right? And 16 yards of catch. He has, he has the ability to make catches, uh, good strong hands, has yak yardage ability. We've all seen Clemson a number of times on television. This is not a guy I need to study now because I've already seen Clemson a bunch of times on TV. He's a good player. I think he's probably a fourth-round value for somebody uh, who, you know, wants to enhance their depth at wide receiver. And according to uh, Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, 
The Giants did have two representatives amongst all of the NFL scouts who were watching the Clemson Pro Day. I can't imagine the Giants were doing a ton of research on Lawrence. I would think they were probably looking very carefully at Powell. Yeah, Powell, I think, would be, I turned them a mid-round pick. So you're looking maybe end of day three, round four-ish, somewhere around five maybe, well, that somewhere would be the in beginning that of area. day three, John. Right, exactly. Round four is the beginning of day three. And that, and I I see him as a fourth-round guy mm-hmm. and somebody who has a make-it-grade on a 53-man roster. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant end of day two. Right, end of round three, which would be end of you day You think he can two, get that right? high? Maybe uh, he I mean, can. I mean, look. Maybe he can. If you're calling him a fourth-round pick, if he gets picked with like the last pick in the third round, no, that's not that's, really a surprise, yeah, right? No, so, right? No, he's in the neighborhood there, and, and, I, and I do think he, he's got to make a grade on him. Sure I, he he, I think he's going to stick in the league. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be one of those kind of like unspectacular possession receivers that you kind of know what you're getting out of him, and he's not, he's not like some guy that's going to blow you away uh, when he does his testing, but it looks like he could be a pretty solid player. Well, listen, if that's what he could develop into, you need somebody to move the chains consistently. Yeah. Guys have carved out some decent careers uh, with that label, so I don't see why he can't assume something like that. As far as the Giants' presence there, I mean, they could have very well been doing some homework on Trevor Lawrence, too. You never know how the draft plays out. I'm not saying he's going to fall, but I think you should be prepared <laughs> be for at 11, Lance. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is you don't know how trades play out. You don't know. Maybe you play Trevor Lawrence down the road, something you picked up. Who knows? Well, if I remember, didn't Bill Belichick used to say that's why he went to all these pro days to get yeah. to know these kids just exactly. in case you face it's them true. later yeah, and, you, and maybe maybe he's a free agent one day who the, who the heck knows all so, of that information could be put in a file yep. and you never know when it could be helpful down the road you have to do your due diligence regardless 100%. that's true all right so let's have a little fun here before we get to the calls we already have somebody on hold in 973-667-1960 by the way there are some of you folks out there that like call in at 11 45 thinking i'm gonna put you on hold that early i'm not so <laughs> I basically said you're working for 15 minutes with my phone ringing, which drives me absolutely nuts. All right, Charlie, so back off. <laughs> I am not going to pick up the phone before like 11.58. I'm just warning all of you, okay? So don't call like at 11.45 thinking I'm going to put you on hold for 20 minutes because I'm not. Um, anyway, that's, I have to get that out there. So, you know, we talked about the draft, guys, and there's a, it's a big free agent crop at quarterback, too. These are the teams that I have listed here, and you can stop me if you think I'm off base on any of these or I'm missing anybody. I'm kind of going from NFC East through the AFC. These are the teams that I think could have some movement or at least decisions to make a quarterback this year and will have an impact on the market, and then we'll kind of go from there and have some fun, okay? So you have Dallas, who obviously Dak Prescott is scheduled to become a free agent. They can franchise him a second time, which I think we all think they're going to do. Philly, they could trade Carson Wentz. Washington, they don't really have that young starter they want to move forward with. Maybe Alex Smith returns, but I think they're in the market for a quarterback. Does Detroit want to add somebody with Jared Goff? What is Chicago going to do? you got to imagine they're looking for an upgrade. Does Atlanta try to find the guy after Matt Ryan? I don't think that move gets made this year, but they pick in the top 10. Do they want to try to get that next guy in the building? The Saints, do we know if Drew Brees is coming back? Indications are he's going to retire. We don't know. Jameis Winston, he's a free agent. The Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater under contract. Do they want the next guy? The Jets, Darnold, they pick second. Deshaun Watson, who knows? Miami, is Tua... Did he show them enough in that first year, or would they be in the market for a guy like Watson? The Steelers, Roethlisberger's back, but would they be looking for that next guy down the road? Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, check. Houston, Deshaun Watson, decision to make. They got to figure it out. Oakland, 
Reports are Las that Vegas. they're getting. Oh, <laughs> you're right. I have Oakland right now. Las Vegas. Thank you, Lance. Uh, <laughs> reports are they've gotten offers for Derek Carr and turned them down. We obviously, and I believe David Carr is the one that reported that, so he would know. Uh, <laughs> we don't know what they plan to do there. Also, rumors that they've taken calls on Marcus Mariota, who had a very nice single start for them this year. And then the Denver Broncos, who have Drew Locke as their starter, but who knows if they might want to make a change here or there. And some of those teams picking the top 10 guys, we have five quarterbacks that could go in the first round. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. And then you have all the veterans we talked about, in addition to the ones that we mentioned. Cam Newton, a free agent, and Dak Prescott, as I mentioned, also potentially hitting free agency, though he is expected to be franchised. Any teams I miss there that you think could be possibly in the market for a quarterback? Colts? Well, I- Throw Colts, out a few. thank you. That's a good one, Paul. Yeah, How about Colts. Niners. That, that's a good one too. I'll the put those, add those to my list. Patriots, and I'd even throw out. I didn't hear the Chicago Bears on that. list. No, the Bears I mentioned. The oh, Bears you did I mention? Okay, did yeah. not hear that. Okay, the other three I missed though. So that is six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. That's eighteen teams that I have listed right there uh, that could change quarterbacks or at least add somebody at the quarterback position. So, how do you think, guys? And I think this is will be interesting. Who are some of the key teams you're keeping an eye on here, especially when it comes to teams that are picking in the top 10 that could impact maybe with the trade, with the Giants do at 11, or could make a move in for agency or a trade or both that you really think are going to control this quarterback market besides the Texans, who are obvious, and determine how this whole thing this offseason is going to play out. Lance, how about you first? Well, New England, to me, is an intriguing team. I know they're not necessarily picking ahead of the Giants, but I could see them doing a double move where they bring in a veteran, but they also maybe look to find the future quarterback in the draft. And they can always maybe trade up, too. The year Who knows? They become a little bit aggressive. I know normally they don't do that in the draft. They don't move up. Usually they move back. But I don't know. Maybe this is a turning point year. Maybe they realize the veteran experiment didn't work last year. They don't love the young guys they have on the roster. They want to do something different. Another thing is perhaps... New England, with a lot of cap space, makes a big splash in free agency, too. They've got a lot more wiggle room than they did at this time last year. So I think the Patriots are an intriguing team because there's a lot of mystery surrounding them just by default. But this could be a crossroads for the New England Patriots. I think the Colts, too, because the Colts have proven they're not going to shy away from delving into the free agent market. They did that with Phillip Rivers. I thought Matt Stafford would have been a really good fit for them, but you know Carson Wentz is a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they trade for him. Remember, Wentz was with Frank Reich early in his career. He did very well in 16 and 17. That reunion, I think, would make a lot of sense. Or Indianapolis, once again, could dig into free agency. So you know those are two teams, I think, that come to mind immediately. Now, those teams are in the AFC, so they're not necessarily going to revamp the NFC structure. If you were to ask me about an NFC team that I think perhaps could impact things for the Giants, I think the Giants really need to keep close tabs on everybody in the division. Let's face it, because there's a chance that all three of those teams could have a new quarterback. I do think the Cowboys would make a lot of sense bringing back Dak Prescott, but hey, whenever you're dealing with the franchise tag for the second straight year, who knows? And Philadelphia and Washington could either bring back guys that are currently on the team or they can also make some moves. So right now, if I'm the Giants, I'd be keeping close tabs on my division rivals more so than anybody else because that's going to directly impact you considering you're going to play them twice next year. Paul, how about you? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I had two answers for you, and Lance just took one of them, and that is I need to figure out what's going on with those other three teams in my division. I mean, there's no question. That's my priority right now in terms of where I'm watching the quarterback carousel land. I've got to be watching the other three teams in my division because we all know the best way to make the playoffs is to win your own division. And the Giants proved by sweeping the entire division at home this year and splitting with two of the teams that there is as good a chance as anybody have as good a chance to win this division. And they've got to feel that going in, especially if there's an unsettled quarterback situation. So my first answer is I want to look at the three quarterback spots in the NFC East aside from the Giants. My second answer is how many quarterbacks are going in the top 10 with the Giants picking at 11? Most people seem to believe for sure there's going to be three there are some projections out there that say there could be four. Mm-hmm. So now I say to myself, okay, well, where, where are we looking here in, in terms of the top ten who could take the QBs? And it just seems to me, besides the Lawrence pick of Jacksonville, I really don't know what the Jets are doing it to, and I think they really control the draft. I'm with you, Paul. That was going to be my answer. I think the Jets control this whole deal from the Deshaun, from, from a potential Deshaun Watson trade to a potential trade down, to potentially taking yeah. a quarterback. What they do is going to kind of create a, a domino a, effect, an avalanche that's going to affect the rest of the league. Absolutely. I'm Without with a doubt, John. I mean, because, look, if you're any of these other teams that we talked about who have a questionable quarterback spot, whether it's Philly at six because we don't know what they're doing with Wentz, or Carolina at eight with Bridgewater, you know, kind of like, well, whatever, and Denver uh, um, with, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, Drew Locke. I mean, those teams, of those three, I I would say right now it's a pretty damn good bet. At least two of those three teams are going to take quarterbacks, right? right. I mean, can mm-hmm. we may probably say that? Probably at least two, maybe three. So, so the question becomes, what's happening with the Jets at two? To me, that's the, the linchpin that either makes the avalanche or the dominoes fall and create what's going to be four quarterbacks in the top ten or maybe only three quarterbacks in in the top ten. Um, because if they don't take one and they keep the pick, well, now, you know what? You, you're looking at probably two more after Lawrence. Still a chance for three more. But likely at least two. Yeah, see, I think I don't. If they don't pick a quarterback there, Paul, I think it's the way Joe Douglas has operated trying to acquire picks. I think it's extremely unlikely the Jets stay there at two if they don't pick a quarterback. Okay, and I think that's what's interesting to me. If the Jets and Dolphins and Falcons at two, three, and four, teams that could be interested in a quarterback but not necessarily interested in a quarterback, if those teams decide they're not in the quarterback market, I my guess, and again, we're way too early in the process to know this, is that there's going to be a lot of disagreement after Trevor Lawrence, who the second, third, and fourth best quarterbacks are in this class. People are going to fall in love with Justin Fields' tools, which are probably slightly better than Zach Wilson's, but Zach Wilson's a better quarterback. Maybe someone's going to look at Trey Lance and say, oh my goodness gracious, this guy has you know Pat Mahomes-like tools, and we think we can turn him into a star. You know, I think depending on where teams value those players, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty what teams like these players. So I think there's going to be a lot of motivation where if one team maybe loves one of those three but doesn't love the other two, 
where you're like, all right, I got to move up here. So I think there could be a lot of trade action in that two through four or even five with the Bengals at five, though I think they might like an offensive tackle at five if they can get them. There could be a lot of trade action there from two, three, and four, and it could be with a team already in the top ten, Paul, to your point, like the Panthers or the Broncos. But what if it's like it, what if it's with a team like the Niners at 12? What if it's with a team like New England at 15? What if it's like a team like Washington at 19 or Chicago at 20 or Indianapolis at 21? And that could bring those teams above the Giants to select a quarterback, which obviously pushes better players down to the Giants at yeah. 11. So that, I think, is a real interesting thing to keep an eye on, too. Those teams at 2-3-4 in this class, in this draft, how willing are they going to be able to move or to move down where other teams can go up and pick that quarterback? Well, what about Cincinnati? I think... They could move down. Given, given Bobby Hart's one of their starting offensive tackles, Paul... Yeah. My guess is that they're going to want to put somebody next to jo- yeah, <laughs> to protect yeah. Joe Burrow with Jonah Williams so Burrow doesn't blow up his knee again in his second year in the well, league. Well, what if it's only two or three spots? What if yeah, they, they move down to Carolina? Well what if they trade with, with an Car- offensive lineman there? Yeah, yeah they could trade with Carolina or Denver. Yeah, that's ri- they could. I, I think eight or nine is a little bit risky. But, yeah, no, they could. You're right. But, again, that you know? doesn't necessarily Im- – see, that's my point, though. I don't think Cincinnati's moving out of the top ten. So if Cincinnati, yeah, I, I think you're probably so if right. Cincinnati swaps with a team at eight or nine, it really doesn't impact the Giants, right? Because yeah. they're 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 ahead of the Giants anyway. Correct. So Correct. that's kind of why I think Cincinnati is going to pick a receiver or or an offensive tackle, just because I think that's where the value is in this draft, right at the top. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at that. Nine. You know, John, se- go ahead. I'm sorry, Paul. In, in most years, uh, you know, I, I'm I do think that quarterbacks are overdrafted, and I and well, I know of course that, they are. They and, always are. And here's the thing: because there are so many teams right now on that quarterback carousel, it's going to push the overdrafting tendency even higher. Sure. Well, it depends on what happens in free agency. And by the way, not, not, not to get ahead of ourselves, but just based on a couple of things that I have heard from people that do scouting for a living, next year's quarterback class, not great. Not maybe one top 10 level guy mm-hmm. at this point. A kid out of Liberty, believe it or not. So not apparently supposed to be all that great. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and and not only that, you have to remember something else, Lance. It's not just about the free agency issue. It's also about cap money. Yeah, because cheap quarterbacks, the, right? Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> How many teams are now going to put a bigger yeah. emphasis Great point, Paul. on having a quarterback who's on a cheap deal? Great point. Well, I think that's the ultimate goal for any team, regardless of what the cap is, because you know quarterback's going to take up the biggest piece of the cap. But once again, we are talking about two teams with quarterbacks that had nice contracts this season that did make the Super Bowl. In Patrick Mahomes, he already has a new deal. And Tom Brady, who is getting paid good money from Tampa Bay. So, you know, once again, there's many ways to put your roster together. I think talent trumps what the salary cap presents from a struggle standpoint. I think also you could say with not a lot of college film this year, would teams maybe shy away from some of these young quarterbacks because the jury is still out and they're not sure about some of these guys other than the Trevor Lawrence, who, you know, is a multi-year starter and you feel good about what transpired before the 2020 season. All you need is one, Meadow. No, all all you you need need is is one. one. I get that. (laughs) But maybe they don't want to move up as high as they normally would and they'd rather take their chances later on in the draft. There's a lot of scenarios that could play out. I will tell you this. While we always speculate about there's going to be a million trades, there were no top 10 trades last year. Wait, which? which one 2019. Though, by the way, Paul and I were trying to tell people that, for the most part, during the draft process last year, that we didn't think 
the the teams like Miami and the LA Chargers were going to have to move because we thought their guys would be there when Correct. they picked. We did feel that. Well, but there was just one in 2019, and that wasn't right. even for a quarterback. That was the Steelers moving up to get Devin Bush. True. So the you, last you know, two years, we've had one trade in the top ten. But you go back, I don't think yeah. history is relevant here. Because, it may not. I'm because just saying this is that, a unique circumstance. It well, really but once is. again, there were a lot of quarterbacks, what I'm saying, in a few of these drafts that we could talk about. And sometimes teams may want to get somebody that doesn't play the quarterback position and we're thinking quarterback. For example, the Lions, I think a lot of people are thinking Detroit's going to take quarterback. Maybe Brad Holmes, who was the former Rams scouting guy, thinks Jared Goff is young, could be a good fit, and maybe they don't feel like they want to utilize a pick on a quarterback. I don't don't think think there's any way Detroit is taking a quarterback. They just made that deal. Goff is going to be their guy. They're going to be married to him. Well, but Goff is not on a long-term deal is what I'm saying. So maybe they feel, hey, Goff's the bridge for the next two years, and then we make way for the young guy. I could see that too. To me, Detroit will only pick a quarterback there if they fall in love with the guy. They're not going to move up for one. Only if somebody falls in their lap that they love will they pick one. That's how I kind of view that one. Yeah, it, so what it, I'm saying is it could go either way, though, with respect sure, to the Lions. absolutely. They're you know very what, much you know a wild card. John, I'll say this, and I and I absolutely agree with that theory. In most cases, you got to fall in love with the guy to take him if you're going to be that high in this draft or in any draft. But here's the thing. Outside of Lawrence, do you honestly believe that anybody out there is worthy of 150% conviction that, oh, my God, I absolutely um, love this guy. Oh, yeah. Isn't Lawrence the only guy? Teams will fall in love with these guys, Paul. They, you know that. They, they will have they preferences. Will, they will convince themselves that they love these well, guys. Well, they'll, yeah, that. they'll con- that's the thing, though. They'll have to convince themselves because Yeah, but that happens every Lawrence, year. You know, that happens every – Paul, there, oh, are, they, does. there just aren't that many can't-miss-perfect quarterback prospects. I know. I ever. know. Well, I, you know, I, I, I will quote Mike Tannenbaum, who just was, was on ESPN and said, after Lawrence, this next group of four quarterbacks is the riskiest group of QBs he's ever seen this high in a draft. And I happen to agree with him. That's interesting. I really do. I totally agree with him. And, and he said teams are all going to fall all over themselves and force their way up to try to pick these guys. And well, every single one of them has significant questions. Anyway, I have a caller on the line. I wanted to do some predictions with these teams with their quarterbacks. Maybe we'll do it later in the show if we don't have calls. Uh, we appreciate whoever's on hold. Joe, we thank you for waiting for us. But we'll get to you right now. 973-667-1960. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. Joe in Pennsylvania, thank you for waiting, Joe. How you doing? Hey, wonderful. Uh, I said you guys brighten up the day in this cold, uh, snowy weather, you know. Oh, I appreciate really. that. <laughs> and uh, I want to say uh, happy uh, Valentine's Day to you all and your loved ones and all the Giant fans out there because the Giants are all part of our heart, so i got to say that. So, uh, oh, that's very nice, Joe. So uh, uh, let's see. Well, first thing with you, John, I couldn't get on – uh, the other day, you were talking and laughing about, oh, this uh, brown guy or so, oh, so he only, for the Raiders, I think he only wants to play left tackle. The Ravens, yeah. Yeah, or the Ravens. Yeah, Orlando And, and I thought, oh, that's, that's really nothing, John, because 
uh, you, you know, we have that all throughout football. You could go back to when Elway didn't want to play for a certain no, team. But, no, but, Joe, that's different. Not wanting to play for a certain team is different than demanding a trade to play uh, well, a specific I, I, side on the offensive line. That's I, I don't think that that is, John. It's the same thing even uh, Peters not. this year. He wanted to raise for the Eagles because they removed him from guard to tackle, and he did get one. Guard to same... tackle is different than right tackle to left tackle. Well, I don't think it's anything, and it's the same thing well, with just our... look at the salaries. It's totally different, Joe. It's all about money. That's what it is. Yeah, so... but right tackles get paid now. Look what the money Jack Conklin got. Well, I not still, whatever, it's their preference, and I don't care, whatever, but I don't argue, but I, I don't think that's... Uh... No big deal because even like our Dexter Lawrence, you know what I mean. He'd rather be classified as a and two because there's more money there. So uh, whatever, I want to move on from sure. that. Uh, you were talking about uh, quarterbacks and everything. Uh, is there any possible way that Joe Webb could win that job, backup job for us? I don't know the last he played. I would say very unlikely. Joe. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now you were talking about the quarterbacks there. ESPN there, Todd Mache had his first four draft picks, all quarterbacks now. You, you know, when was the last time that a mock draft turned out to be accurate? Months uh, oh, before I, the draft. I, I understand that, and I'm just saying, but he's saying if, if them teams don't take them in the top four, that somebody will trade up into their spots and take them. I think so that's I, possible. No argument. No, honestly, Joe, I, I think that this year, I think that based on obviously what I said previously, I think that's very possible. Right, I remember one of them. They were arguing the kid from uh, North Dakota or Sir Tall that he might go second because of of all the the, the upside on him. And yeah, stuff. and Joe. So, by the way, the reason I think it's possible is not necessarily the quarterback class itself, but I think this class is lacking. And Paul, I think this is the, maybe the point I should have made before when I talked about the trades is that there aren't that many of those blue chip can't miss non quarterbacks in this class where people are falling over themselves to draft these guys. I mean, Penny Sewell's probably the closest one. He didn't play this year. You know, Rashawn Slater didn't play this year. Michael Parsons didn't play this year. So I think if you had, like, you know, um, uh, Quentin Nelson or, or you know, a, a, a Bosa on top of this draft, someone like that, you know, maybe teams would be hesitant to trade down. But because there just simply aren't that many, you know, great non-quarterbacks, spare the, spare the wide receivers – um, at the top of this class, which are fantastic, I think that's why teams will be more willing to move. Well, I'll go, I'll go further than that, John. I, I don't believe, truthfully, that there are any 100% guaranteed blue-chip edge rushers in this draft. Oh, no, zero. And that's that's usually the place where if you've got two or three of them in the draft, you know they're top ten. And by the way, there isn't a Jeffrey Okuda-level cornerback in this no, draft class either. there is not. No. There is no dominant defensive player, period, yeah. in this draft. Wide receiver is the only position that you can find that top-shelf guy. That And again, maybe Penny Sewell, tackle, you know, you could talk about him too. Mm-hmm. But there's just not that many of those quote-unquote can't-miss guys at the top, which is why I think these teams – you know, might be more willing to trade down than maybe some of the teams the last couple of years. So many factors, and that's just the latest one, that's going to wind up pushing these quarterbacks higher. Yep. Yep. I've I seen uh, draft picks or uh, uh, boards where, you know,
know, they had us taking a defensive end. I forget what his name was, Rostenberg. Uh, Rousseau, play? Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Yeah, I, they had him taking us. I believe Jeff Fiegel's made that pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <laughs> no surprise. They had us taking Pitts. <laughs> they had us taking a wide receiver mostly. That's what I see. So, yep. uh, but now what I want to talk about, or I get to you, you know, these free agents. I did see two online. The Giants possibly could look to upgrade wide receiver or even their tackle or their lineman spot by possibly trying to trade Sterling Shepard or release him and upgrade. Like Sterling, I say, Paul and you all say he's like a number two. The same with Darius Slayton, a number two. Now, would you think that, like, Robinson, who's out there, is a number one? I, I forget the other... Uh, wide receivers that are out there are free agents. Are they number ones? Robinson's a number one. Sure he sure. is. I agree with yeah, that. I think he's proven that with the uh, Bears. Okay. He was even very good with the Jaguars, too, previously. Uh, okay. I think so Galladay's then... a number one, too, don't you? I was... Yeah, Galladay, I'd be a little bit concerned about the injuries, but I don't I mean, think when you look yeah. at Detroit, I think he's proven that he could be a number yeah, one. Yeah, I don't think he's quite at the level of Robinson, though. I would say I he's a peg down from him. Okay, well, what I'm getting at, then, is money-wise, would you possibly... You look to, to, to either trade or is it possible to release his contract sterling and then sign like Robinson or so? Is Would you look at something like that? The same thing with Zeitler. You know, is there another uh, offensive lineman out there that's worth, you know, that could possibly play tackle or whatever? Well, the problem, Joe, is that once you let those guys go, you then have to replace them. So well, is, the, I, is the cost savings of replacing those guys? And I think, look, Zeitler, you can look again. According to the reports online, if they let him go, it's an over you know ten million dollar cap savings. Could you find a guard to to play for less than that? Absolutely. Is he going to be as good as Kevin Zeitler? I don't you know well, I don't think we know that necessarily. I'm looking for upgrades. Same thing like I said with Sterling Shepard. You know what I mean? Even like to possibly even trade him for a, a draft pick that would get us up there higher. There's a lot of teams like New England and that that have. Yeah, but uh, if you're talking about upgrades, then I wouldn't necessarily say that the draft is a guarantee for an upgrade then. Oh, because yeah. the okay. draft is more of an unknown. Yeah, well, and, uh, and, and look, I think they have Sterling Shepard on, uh, under a pretty reasonable contract. They do. Given, given what he does. Okay. So, so and, they, uh, yeah. Then you would say no to that, basically. Uh, you know, I just saying. Shepard, I, I would say no. I don't think this team's in the position to trade away weapons. And Sterling Shepard's probably Daniel Jones's best weapon right now. So mm-hmm. I would not be anxious to trade him. No. <laughs> well, I I would only do that if I could get somebody. I'm guarantee I can get like Robinson or something like that. I had that wrapped up or so. Yeah, but then see I again, would... you're creating another hole by doing that, and that's well, not going to help. Well, is Darius Slayton a number two? Then we have a couple other. Uh, twos are easier well, to find right. than ones. Yeah, but if you sign Robinson, right, let's just say Robinson comes into the mix with Slayton. Well, neither one of those guys is a slot. Shepard plays slot. He's one of the best slot receivers in the league, certainly within the conference. So it, it's counterproductive. And by the way, you need two twos now. <laughs> two two. Yeah. You need <laughs> two number twos, one to play the second outside receiver spot and one to play the inside slot receiver spot. Well, whatever whatever you think. I was just thinking it's tougher, and, and, I, uh, and another thing, I always like them big wide receivers. Uh, it just gets me like Sterling Shepard's great for in the slot. And by but, the way, Joe, just FYI, I'm looking at the contract. This is based off of uh, SpotTrack.com, which keeps track of these contracts. I can't speak to whether it's accurate or not based on what the Giants' actual numbers say. I'm just reading off the website. They would save $3 million by 
letting go of Sterling Shepard, which yeah. will give you virtually nothing. So, no, that, that, that is not happening. I'm like Paul. I like the big wide receiver. Why? Uh, unless you have somebody that's really, really fast and he can get open, that's a big deal. But you try to throw to even like Sterling Shepard going down the field deep. If you have a, a cornerback, most of them are, say, average, say, five, ten, six foot. You can't see Sterling unless he's ten yards ahead of him. And so I'm, I mean, if you have somebody that's six two or so or six three, you you have a, uh, a bullseye to throw the ball to, you know, a target. But that's why I don't like them short wide receivers. It's just too hard to hit them unless they have great speed and they can get open. So, well, Kansas City's got a lot of small guys, and they do have the speed that you were talking about. So Thank you, once Joe. again. I think there's multiple ways for you to compose your roster. I think it's great to have a tall guy, but the tall guy needs to have talented versatility. He can't just be a big target. You can't get caught up in just having a tower back there so that you could throw up high throws and he could just outjump everybody. Well, their tower is Kelsey. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, but he's not a wide receiver, though. No, he's, a tight he's not. He's not. So, but he's a, he is a six foot five big target in the passing game. Well, that, but so I can get a tight end is. like that too. Then my well, answer well, would be that's, then. That, Lance, we're not going to argue here. This is why I'm not against taking Pitts. Okay, I'm not. If 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 he's there at eleven and the Giants decide that that's the way they want to go, he's a weapon. Like like Kelsey's a weapon. Kelsey's not really a tight end. He's a weapon. And by the way, yeah. I, I I watched Pitts uh, yesterday. I watched probably I watched every one of his targets last year. He's really good, John. At 6'6", he gets in and out of his breaks better than Ingram does. And Ingram's six. Yes, he does. And for a 6'6 guy, and look, there's a big difference. People might not think about it, but in terms of change of direction for a 6'6 guy, I mean, just, just think in the NBA, right? How much quicker is a 6'3 guard versus a 6'6 wing most of the time, right? If you think mm-hmm. of it that way. And this guy, you watch him, you don't think you're watching a 6'6 player. You know? So he is... He's not running by corner. Look, they line him up outside a lot. He's not running past cornerbacks, but he does back shoulder bully ball cornerbacks. But when he gets inside against linebackers and safeties, those guys he runs past. So he's really, he's really, really. And by the way, he's he's not a great blocker, but he's willing. Yes, he is. He's willing. So you you, you might say, John, you might say he's just a little bit more of a sturdy version of Chase Claypool. I don't know if he has the speed that Claypool does. Not quite. To get downfield. But, but, but similar. I would say he's a more powerful, slower version of Chase Claypool. How about that? Do you like that one? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, cer- certainly Remember, certainly his routes are as good, though. Yeah. Oh, I, he might be a better route runner than he Claypool might be. was. He might to be. To be honest with you. So, I mean, I'm again, I'm not going to cry if they take him. Trust oh, me. No, 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 no. He's... He's he's special. Not so I think the key is with guys like that, let's not get caught up in the nomenclature right. and the positional name of him. Let's just say what kind of weapon he is and how they can use him. 973-667-1960. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, back to the phones. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Jonathan from Westchester. How are you? Hey, what's up? Not much. Uh, maybe I missed it. Uh, not sure if you mentioned him when you were going through the quarterbacks. Uh, Clayton Thorson from Northwestern. Did you guys talk at all about him? We did not. No, he. you're talking uh, about the player that was on the Cowboys and the Giants brought him in. Yeah, you know, and 
uh, I know the Giants think highly of him. Um, you know, every week I was looking at the players who, on the practice squad who they protect, protected, and I counted at least six times that he was one of the four. So He's got a gun. I, I, He's a big kid yeah. who's got an arm. Yeah, he could be viewed as a developmental guy that they bring back. I think that's certainly a possibility. He was a fifth-round pick in 2019, so he's young, and he fits that profile. And you know what? If he goes back to the Giants and, and sticks as a practice squad guy, you don't have to worry about him getting scapped up, I don't think, either. Yeah, you wouldn't think. I agree with that. And they did sign him to a reserve contract, by the way, in January. Mm-hmm. I should yeah, have mentioned it earlier. Good, good point, Jonathan. Thank you. Uh, that's all I have today. Just wanted to get your thoughts on him. Um, thank you, guys. Yeah, unfortunately, he was not with the Giants in camp, and once camp was over, we really didn't see any practice. <laughs> exactly. So if Clayton Thorson walked into my basement right now, I would have no idea if it was him. I gotta be. I'd just be like, "Who that's are you, sir?" <laughs> so I, I, I honestly don't have an opinion on him, which honestly, is, by the John, way, out of sight, out of mind. It's my fault. One of us should have brought him up when we were talking about the quarterbacks earlier. It just didn't even pop in my head. Well, part of the issue, I think, is. Because of the Giants' situation, the way that they were configured and they had Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator because of the Cowboys' connection and and the timing of when they did that, it made a lot of sense because this was a fellow who the coaching staff would be familiar with. When was he brought in? Do you remember? Oh, my goodness. I want to say he was brought in on the practice squad in in late September. Late September. Yeah, a month in. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, And, at and then that he was point, elevated to the active roster in early December. Now, at that point, a month in, it's much better to bring a guy in who you know and have already met because right. of the protocols and everything. Which is why it didn't click for me as him being right. a developmental right. guy. Right. I'm giving mm-hmm. you an out clause here, John. Yeah. I'm giving no, you I, an escape I, I on appre- this one. I appreciate that. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> and for all of them. I'm not the only one. All of us, by the way. No. Mention them. Well, because <laughs> I, I, I was thinking that very same thing in that, you know, don't read anything into the fact that he was brought here under those circumstances because the circumstances may have warranted him as opposed to necessarily a desire to have his skills. Well, remember, he's also a quarterback that's been on three different teams in the span of two years. And whenever somebody moves around a lot, they tend to get the label of veteran when they're still very young and they're still development. The Eagles, they never even retained his rights. He was waived before the 2019 Mm -hmm. season. They drafted him Philadelphia in the fifth round, and then he didn't make the cut. So the Cowboys then picked him up. They put him on the practice squad, and that's how he had some familiarity with Jason Garrett's offense. And we know a lot of teams did this because they were nervous if a guy caught COVID and maybe the backup was hurt or the backup was impacted based on contact tracing, if you needed to call somebody up in a pinch, he better know what the hell he's doing. So Thorson (laughs) fit perfectly under that umbrella. He did. Because you could put him in in a pinch knowing that he has familiarity with Garrett's offense. In short, don't read anything into their potential evaluation of his talent. There was another factor involved in why they brought him here. Now, with that being said, I still think Garrett, my personal opinion, would want a more established veteran as the backup. So that's not to say that he wouldn't be in the mix for a roster spot, but I would think they would try to bring either Colt McCoy back or have somebody else who's got a little yeah. bit more experience than Thorson to serve as Daniel Jones's back. Well, well, given Thorson, I mean, he was never really activated in that regard. So, yeah, I think you're 100% right. 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Big Blue Kickoff 5 is presented by the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. Call you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, guys. It's Mike from Atlanta. How Mike, are you? Mike, what's going on, pal? Hello. How are you? 
Not much. Long time no here. Haven't called in all season. Well, it's good to hear um, from you. Thanks for listening. Two questions in generalities, basically. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to mention any specific players. But first, I'd like to hear your opinion on um, with the COVID-19 crisis, there were a lot of players who obviously opted out of the college season. What is your feeling on picking a player at 11 who opted out of the college season versus one who did play? If you have a lot of good tape on him from 2019, it wouldn't bother me necessarily. Paul, how about you You better be damn sure. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to have a really good evaluation on him based off 2019 tape. Yeah, and I'd also want to see him at a pro day or some meeting to just see what he looks like currently. I'm with you because he could have looked great on 2019's film, and then he could have become a different human being in terms of just the look. Good point for the following year. Yeah, you're going to have to have a tremendous amount of conviction for that guy at 11, and even more so now because of the potential opt outs. And by the way, John, this is probably a good time to talk about the altered format of the off season, which they were talking about, I guess, yesterday. And ESPN has a story about it that uh, Exos is training. It says here more than 130 draft prospects, and they're going to host a two-day pro day that is going to simulate the combine later on this month in uh, Arizona, Texas, and Florida, three different locations as they split up the guys that they're working with. So it's going to be a mock or pseudo combine for a lot fewer players. Well, that's good, by the way, because at least I feel like they'll be motivated to keep everything fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? So at least you'll have a good comparison tool. You know, they're, they're not changing surfaces between players, right? right? So at least you can fairly compare all the players that are dealing in those exact same conditions. Yeah, yeah but here's the question I have. If you work with Exos, you're going to then choose between doing that versus your pro day? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can do both, right? Okay. Well, I'm sure you can. I'm just wondering if the agents want the players to do that many different workouts. Well, I mean, look, in the past, they do the combine plus the pro day, right? But some also didn't take part in everything at the combine, though, keep in mind. You're going to do whatever you think is going to enhance your value. Or or not hurt your value. value, Yeah, right. (laughs) The opposite could happen, too, Paul. Although I would expect that these guys who Exos is training, they're probably pushing them very hard to go to these things because they think it will help them because they're clients. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it also yeah, would help Exos though, to thing. get more clients. Well, oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I'm not, I'm, I'm anticipating that those guys are more likely to go than they are to opt out of that. Yeah, and the other thing I think, which is going to be interesting with that, to add to your point, Paul, they said the NFL teams are not allowed to go to these events by the bylaws, and the players and agents must film it and submit yes. film Correct. to the NFL. So Correct. seeing them in person and seeing them. In film are two different things. No it was, doubt. It was actually funny, too. You mentioned that. I was listening to the Move the Sticks podcast. It was an NFL podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and mm-hmm. Bucky Brooks. It's a really good podcast. For the folks that don't listen to it, you should. It's very good. And they were actually talking about a few weeks ago how having good relationships with these training companies and trainers is actually really important this year for scouts because, to your point, you can't travel to these places to see this guy work out at Exos. You're not allowed to do that. But if you have a guy that you trust at these companies who's going to give you good intel, you can find out what these guys, especially the guys that have opted out, have been doing for the past year. I do think it's interesting that Exos is bringing in uh, Mark Dominic, 
who's done stuff, uh, as you know, in the media on uh, Sirius and some of the other uh, TV places, and, and also Don Gregory, who used to be with the Panthers. Those are the two guys who are going to run these three pseudo-combine things, and supposedly they're going to try to pick as many of the legitimate events to mock the combine as possible so that it will give people some sense of feel. Well, and remember, those individuals also have established relationships with people currently in the NFL, so that helps too. Meaning if these guys are on hand who are running things, if you know him or you made a trade with him or you worked with him in the front office, you could call him and get his opinion too on a player. Remember, Mm -hmm. it's a very small world in the NFL. A lot of executives know each other, so if you have a former executive running some of these events or a former coach, I think that's an added benefit as well. You got anything else for us, caller? Yeah, so my second question is, you're sitting there at the 11th spot, and you probably will have a choice of one of the following. I wanted to get your opinions on, given the Giants' uh, positional need, and considering all else probably to be equal, there probably won't be much spread between the grades of the players, Mm -hmm. you have the choice of the following, and I'll read them to you. The first-ranked tight end, defensive end, or linebacker, the second-ranked offensive tackle or cornerback, or the third-ranked wide receiver. When you say third-ranked, you, you mean in like an overall tier list, or are you talking about at the position specifically? I just need to know which one of these are actually better players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, at the position specifically, because that's what the Giants' choice is probably going to be. It's okay, so you, said t- picking so you said tight end number one. End. What else? Tight end number, uh, tight end number one, mm-hmm. defensive end number one, linebacker number one, cornerback number two, or offensive tackle number two, or wide receiver number three. Well, I that's don't, what I think they're facing at eleven. Yeah, I don't think you're going to have an option of all those. By the way, I think you can uh, some of those, and Correct. probably either wide receiver three or tight end one or both might be off the board. Offensive tackle two might be off the board. But I think cornerback two, defensive end one, linebacker one will not be. I would probably go, my first choice there would probably be either tight end one or wide receiver three. Just because I think they're higher quality players than the guys at the other spots. And then offensive tackle and cornerback two would be my next two spots that I would consider there. Paul? Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with John, although I don't really want to give an answer because I told you I'm not going to pigeonhole guys into positions. No, I agree I don't with think that. It's, I don't think it's, it's really fair well, Paul, right now. Well, Paul, honestly, what I'm doing, I'm, I'm taking these positions and I'm putting names to positions. <laughs> when, 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 I make, okay. you know, when, I, when I say tight end, when I'm thinking Kyle Pitts. Right. When I say wide weaver three, I'm thinking Jalen Waddle. When I'm thinking quarterback right. two, I'm thinking Caleb Farley. And, and give, given, <laughs> given that scenario, I'm inclined to agree with you. But, again, I would hesitate very much. And I, and I also happen to agree with your first point that I think half of those, those, those fake names or fake positions are not going to be there anyway. And I would also stress that we have not – I've started doing tape study, as I mentioned before, but I would not put, a, put these in ink, if you know what I mean. I would put these in yeah. pencil. Lance, your thoughts? Well, I don't like this exercise to begin with because, once again, I think you need to know how a team views all of those players on the board all mixed up. When you start to dissect it and go position by position, there could be a situation where the number one tight end may be number one within his own category. I'm just giving a hypothetical here. I understand that that may not be true with Kyle Pitts, but he could be the 25th overall ranked player. 
So are you settling then by just taking the number one player at that position, or are you getting good value? For example, the Giants, okay, you know, they, you could argue, got the number one safety in last year's draft. They picked him, though, high in the second round. So you could understand, well, there it made sense, good value. But if somebody took him 15 to 20 picks earlier, could you argue maybe they were reaching a little too much? No, 100%. No, 100%. But I think the reason he gave those guys, because I think he the has reason— players in mind. Correct. <laughs> well, but I'd rather hear the players then. Okay, I'll give it to you. Tight end okay. one is Kyle Pitts. Defensive end one is Gregory Rousseau. Linebacker one is Micah Parsons. Cornerback two is either Patrick Sertan or Caleb Farley. Offensive tackle two is Penny Sula or Rashawn Slater. Wide receiver three is Jalen Waddell. Agree with you totally, John. <laughs> those those are the players that I'm you. thinking of. And, and, and in all likelihood, if those are the guys there— I'm probably going to take pits. And, Paul, by the way, after watching him, and I'm going to do a second pass later on in the process, I can make a hell of a case for taking Jalen Waddell over Devonta Smith. There's a case to be made there. Just saying. Well, I'd rather have Chase. (laughs) But he won't be there. (laughs) He's the guy I feel best about not being there. I agree with you. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, with Waddle, remember, you know, he didn't opt out, but it's almost the equivalency of opting out because he barely played this. Yeah, he played, I think, he what, three games before he got hurt, something like that? Yeah, so, I mean, that's another thing you have to weigh when you evaluate a player like that and also the significance of the injury. And I'm not to say that he's playing football tomorrow, okay? We're talking about August, September, when he's got to get out there in a real NFL experience. But Well, remember, he... He did play limited, though, in the National Championship Yeah, but championship he did not look game. like no, Waddle of old. But okay? I would imagine— he, he was limping around in that championship game. But give him two months off of that game, I sure. think he'll be fine. But and I sure. want to know. I mean, th- those are things that—forget the film or what he looks like. I want to talk to his doctors, and I want to see what his There's prognosis no is. Lance, you're a thousand percent yep. correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, if my medical guys are telling me that that surgically repaired ankle is not something that can totally be ignored, they got to tell me he's a hundred percent. We're not worried about any durability issues or any athletic issues. Then that's a different story. But until I get that from them, I'm not taking that guy to eleven. No, and that's and that's absolutely fair. Which is why not having the combine's a killer, right? Because you don't get those medical reports at the same spot for everybody. So that could change things. We only took a couple calls here, guys. Somebody called in right away. So I'm going to try to squeeze in one more caller. Are you guys all right um, if we go a little bit later? Okay, fine. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? I always sneak in at the end. It's Rick and Tampa. Rick, one quick point. Let's make it fast. Quick point. Quick point. Uh, uh, Four quarterbacks in a row and the the Giants, we'd be jumping up and down. That would just give us a much better chance. That would never happen. Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. I'm a Florida guy now, and, of course, I watch a lot of Alabama and Florida games. Being a Florida fan, I am. Are two, what, is the, what is up with Mac Jones that he's not getting as much uh, uh, you know, uh, call for, to be uh, drafted high? And, and Trask as well, because these guys, and I've seen them all year long and last year as well, have, have been you know, really good and have the height and have uh, – smarts, I want to say, only because of their their education. I mean, is there any chance you think these guys would go, or you're just a limit name? Because I I like him over field. No, I I have not done... No, I mean, I don't think either of those guys is going to go over Justin Fields. I have not done work on Trask yet. I saw Jones... I saw him enough in the college football playoffs, and I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, The reason Mac Jones isn't with those other guys is simple, is his arm strength and his mobility. He just doesn't have those physical tools that the other guys in that group does. 
Again, I, I'm not going to comment on Trask. I did not watch him enough this year to know yeah. about that. John, I'll, I'll add Trask. Yeah, please, he go does, ahead. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't zip the ball. If you look at him when he throws, uh, it's, it's average arm strength. And for a guy of his okay. size, I think he's pretty close to 6'5", isn't he? Yeah. He's he you you better be able I mean you better you if you got Kerry Collins size you better show me a cannon of an arm. Now I could see he Mac, doesn't have it. I could see well, Mac Jones as a top twenty pick now. I could top fifteen maybe even who knows. Uh, Trask I think if, from based on what I'm reading and again I haven't watched him. He's more of an end round one top round two type of guy. Well Trask also did not perform very well against Oklahoma in the bowl game. Not to say that one game defines a player, but if well, we're talking about hype. Was- yeah, but half the team wasn't playing. They all sat out. Well, but once so. again, but hype and expectations, Rick, is the phrase you used. Yeah, so what true, I'm saying true. is in the media, yeah. it's all about what have you done for me lately. So I think that did impact Trask. In that game, he had no touchdowns. He had three interceptions. He didn't play well, and his team got cremated, 55-20. to 20. <laughs> So, you know, that's one factor that I think hurts the quarterback. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm just telling you the reality of the circumstance. Jones. I happen to think Mac Jones is a very smart, savvy quarterback. He's not a wow-me guy. He doesn't jump off the film. But if you're looking for a guy that's not going to hurt you, who I think is going to be able to adapt to your scheme, keep in mind also Carolina, and I'm not saying that he's going to go in the top 10, but Carolina saw him up close and personal at the Senior Bowl, and it seemed as if the staff was pretty much enamored with him. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Carolina drops back and entertains the idea of maybe drafting a Mac Jones. I also think Mac Jones was hurt by the overwhelming talent around him. I think a lot of people feel Mac Jones benefited from all of the weapons at Alabama. If we take Mac Jones out of that environment, yeah, that's true. and he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has the smarts, can he make up for some of those weaknesses if he has lesser talent around him? And by I the think way, that's a concern. Lance, I think Tua's performance in the NFL this year maybe scares people yeah. off him even more. Exactly. No, you I know, think that's a good comparison. Yeah. But 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 uh, is Rick still there? Uh, no, I let him go. All right. Here's Sorry. the thing, John. Uh, maybe I'm not hearing it right, but I thought he was suggesting that Jones is not getting any first-round conversation, and I, I think it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, he got hyped up big time during uh, right? the Senior Bowl unless, coverage. Oh, yeah. and that's all they were talking about during the Senior Bowl. <laughs> so I'm not Mac Jones sure. this, Mac Jones that. Yeah. I don't know who he's listening to or what he's watching, but during the playoff run for Alabama and then during the whole Senior Bowl week, it seemed like Mac Jones, people were trying to push him up into the top 15. Yeah, Trask, no. Trask, no, but Mac Jones, yes. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't know that unless you have a specific affection for him, and obviously the Saban Belichick connection too with the Patriots. I could see if something happens there, but uh, no, I think I think to be frank with you, for me in terms of pure talent, Jones Jones should probably be a late first rounder at best. But that's not to say that he's not going to go higher because he's getting a lot of push. Well, you see, Rick's whole point was, if you remember, his initial statement was four quarterbacks perhaps taken with the first four picks. He wants about... 10 other quarterbacks to be selected. So when the Giants take the 11th overall pick, nobody will be <laughs> off the board other than quarterbacks. So he got us now for the last five minutes to talk up a few more quarterbacks. Well, jo- See, that Jones, was the whole purpose of his phone call. I do think Jones could be the fifth first rounder, though. I don't think either one of those guys breaks into the top four, though, of no. quarterbacks. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you guys the option here. I have my chart set up for quarterback landing points. Do you want to do quick predictions now or save it for a future show? Save it. We're already over time. Done. No problem. 
We will get that done at some point. Hopefully no moves happen over the weekend so we lose our chance. Who knows with the way the league is going. Anyway, all right. Thanks for being with us today on Big Blue Kickoff Live, everybody. It was all brought to you by the new X series of scratch-offs in the New York Lottery. Now you can multiply your winnings up to 200 times. Please play responsibly. And, folks, don't forget that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of every Big Blue Kickoff Live and all of our other podcasts, including Giants Huddle, at Giants.com slash podcast, on the Giants mobile app, and on your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review if you like what you hear. And if you know friends that are Giant fans, tell them about the show. The more listeners we get, the, the better it is and the more stuff that we can do. For Lance Meadow, for Paul Dottino, guys, enjoy your weekend. Paul, I hope well. you didn't walk in like 10-degree weather this morning. It was freezing. <laughs> Have you walked yet, or is that I'm later today? Not now, John. Yeah, heading something tells now. me he didn't walk because he didn't complain yet. So yeah, that is true. He probably didn't walk. Yeah, I'm just warning you, it, it is still fairly cold outside. I good, know. Good luck for the boys. I'm Schmelk. Have a great weekend. No show on Monday for President's Day, so we'll see you on Tuesday, everybody. Enjoy your long weekend.